Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Now with code DNVR at sign up, you're going to get some special offers like how to turn a $5 bet into $200 in free bets on college hoops the entire tournament long with code DNVR on DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons, and on today's DNVR Rockies podcast, go through our daily news and notes of the day for the Rockies. We talk about what's going on with the bullpen, who's going to get those final few spots, what's it going to look like overall as far as the setup man and closer role goes, and we're going to look at the NL West. What did Giants, Dodgers, Padres, and Diamondbacks do? Who's a contender? Who's a pretender? Where can the Rockies possibly make up some ground? We'll get into all of that and more. Let's start off with our daily news and notes. Actually, before talking about Wednesday's game, I want to talk about the City Connect jerseys. You may have already been seeing this story go around just a little bit. You know, if you follow us on Twitter at DNVR underscore Rockies, we've already covered this couple times already in the past month. The socks have already leaked. We've put that up. You've gotten a chance to see what that looks like. Of course, it's got some white. It's got a little black. Of course, it has the purple, but it also includes a bit of green. And depending on the type of green that's used and depending on how much of it is used, it may look like those two colors clash or don't really work too well together. But when done properly. And these City Connect jerseys need to be done properly. They're done by Nike. That's the other thing, too. You got to remember, the Rockies are not really having anything to do with this. They are not creating this buzz. It is Nike, and they've decided that they want to use green in these City Connect uniforms. The socks have already leaked. And I do know from a few sources that you should expect there to be some green in the jersey. I'll leave it at that. We'll get our first chance to see it live and in person on June 3rd at home at Coors Field against the reigning world champs Atlanta. Now, the jerseys themselves should come out a little bit sooner than that. You may have already seen the Washington Nationals jerseys, which look pretty darn good. It's got the cherry blossoms in it. Looks pretty, pretty cool. I have to say, I I do like that WHS across the chest for Washington. But the Rockies, again, it'll be June 3rd against Atlanta. And that date is also notable because it will be the Rockies' debut on Apple TV. If you remember this offseason, talking with Drew Goodman, Apple TV had negotiated a contract with MLB to bring Friday Night Baseball to their platform. Two games every Friday night they have The first three months of the season basically built out through June 24th. That breaks down to 48 different teams over those 12 weeks. Kind of surprised me to find out that the Dodgers are only going to be featured there on Friday Night Baseball twice. Same amount as Arizona. Yeah, Arizona has two, and so do the Dodgers. That seems strange. Two with Cincinnati. Houston, I think, has the most with three, but... Teams like Baltimore, Oakland, and Pittsburgh, who you know they're going to be at the bottom of their respective division, only are featured once. Giants only featured once. And Miami, not even on the schedule, but this is only through June 24th. I think the two parties will sit down and decide, do we need to have some more marquee names? 
on this? Uh, what, what are the matchups going to be exactly? I think, in fact, the last game on June 24th that has come out already on the schedule is Tigers at Diamondbacks, which is, you know, doesn't really get you too excited. I don't know if that's that's a way to show out the best product for Major League Baseball, but nevertheless, it's going to start next Friday. We are going to be a week away. Thursday is a week away from MLB's opening day. Again, because the first week of games originally had gotten canceled because of the lockout, we're going to have a weird opening day where some teams will start on Thursday. Other teams, like the Rockies, will actually start on Friday. So next Friday's Friday Night Baseball for Apple TV. It's going to have Mets and Nats at 5 p.m. and Astros at Angels at 7.30. But And that's somewhat important to note because... Rocky's opening day is 2:10 against the Los Angeles Dodgers. So by the time the game's over, you may look for something else to really stretch out a full day's worth of baseball consumption. Hopefully you've already started to talk about maybe a sniffly nose. Maybe you'll develop a cough on Monday or Tuesday of next week. You know, if you got a call out of work on Friday, you know, because you, you don't want to possibly get your coworkers sick. Well, again, whether or not that's something you do, especially during the time of COVID, is is beyond me. That's your choice. But look, you can just take a personal day if you need to on Friday to get all of your Rockies and MLB baseball in one spot. It's going to be fun, man. We're getting the season started. I'm excited. I was really excited about Herman Marquez's performance today in what was a 9-2 to loss to the Diamondbacks. Don't let that score fool you. It was 3-2 going into the ninth before Jordan Sheffield really lost it. Wild pitch, couple walks, gave up two home runs, couldn't get out of the ninth inning. So it was a much closer game than that. And Herman Marquez set the tone, had a real quick first three innings before a spotty fourth where he gave up back-to-back doubles to Josh Rojas and Carson Kelly to give up a run, but didn't walk anybody. He struck out four, talked after the game about, you know, liking his tempo. He seemed really pleased with how it went in general. He made sure to slow himself down, got through 60 pitches. His changeup, you know, was fine. He felt he, he trusted. He liked his overall command of his fastball, which was good. But he said the same thing, like the effort, like the tempo, thinks that his next start, his final one before the start of the season will be about 75 80 pitches and could possibly get up to 90 pitches on his first start. Also in that game, Alex Colomay looked really good, but he loved what he saw there has yet to name a closer officially, but Colomay has 155 saves in the last six years. It's more than franchise leader. Brian Fuentes had in his entire time in Colorado fourth, most amount of saves in the last six seasons. That's Alex Colomay. They brought him in here to do a job, and he will do that job. And Buddy will eventually make that announcement. There's really no pressure, no need to. We're all curious. We all want to know. But on opening day or game two, game three, whenever it is, with a three-run lead or less in that ninth inning, maybe even with one or two outs in the eighth inning, he'll look to the pen, and that's when you'll know, yep, Alex Colomay. He's the guy who's going to get the ball to shut it down. He's got that kind of stuff. Also on the pitching side, Ben Bowden, Reagan Todd, and Ty Black all recorded scoreless innings. Ty Block is that guy that we've been talking about for months now. Seems like he's very much poised 
to make this roster. He's not on the 40-man, so the Rockies would need to make a move. That could be Peter Lambert going on the 60-day IL. Not really sure who's next in line to possibly get designated for assignment. Julian Fernandez is a name we'll talk about here in a little bit. He was one of those guys on the chopping block when they had to make room for Chris Bryant. So we'll have to wait and see what happens on the offensive side. CJ Crone had a nice little base hit to extend his hitting streak to five games. Ryan McMahon had a second multi-hit game of the Cactus League. I talked about him on Wednesday's podcast about he was uh, an all-star. He was a spring training all-star despite the fact he was batting something like 250 at the time, but wasn't striking out, was putting the ball in play. And really, after his first I think it was four games because he had, he had one game where he only had one AB, but he was 0 for 9 to start the season, rather the spring training season. So he's been much better since then. Six for 14 with two doubles, two RBI over his past five games since getting his season started, really, on Friday against the Cubs at Sloan Park. You may have also seen my tweet on Twitter, at Patrick D. Lyons. That the opening day starter, still not announced, but he was still asked again this morning. Didn't give it up. But mathematically speaking, I hope you're sitting down for this one. Hope you're holding on to your hat or hats. I don't know why you'd wear more than one. But Antonio Sinzatella looks lined up for opening day. Now, that could change. It's not crazy to think Marquez maybe goes out on only three days rest to make his final spring training start before he gets the ball on Friday, April 8th. But right now, as it sits, Antonio Senzatella is lined up perfectly to make that start on Friday, April 8th against the Dodgers. Senza worked on Tuesday. Marquez was on Wednesday. So Marquez would be the number two starter. But here's where it really gets strange. Chad Cool is slated to start today on Thursday. He also pitched in the same game that was started by Austin Gomber. So that makes you think, okay, Austin Gomber now is the number three starter. But no, you got Kyle Freeland pitching on Friday. You want to split up those two left-handers. Maybe Cool is just going to split them up. It does seem strange that maybe Kyle Freeland would be your fifth starter. Not sure exactly how it's going to shake out, but if you're looking mathematically at the amount of rest that guys are going to need, this could be what you end up seeing on opening day or even game two. Senzatella getting the ball. The organization has been incredibly complimentary of, of him. The entire offseason and including the beginning of, of spring training, they gave him that extension to show that they had their confidence in him. And I'm thinking it really could be Mr. Senza over Marquis, Herman Marquez. Let's talk about that bullpen. Remember, rosters are not going to be 26-man rosters. They're going to be 28 for the first month of the season. So now you can carry two extra players. Most likely, those seem to be pitchers, except when I started crunching the numbers, I realized uh, I don't know about that. We'll see. But if you've got 13 position players, which means you got nine in the starting lineup, that includes the DH, you're going to have four on your bench. And that's really what the Rockies have been operating with the last couple seasons. They did it for most of 2021. So that leaves you with 15 pitchers. You got five starters, which means you get 10 relievers. Who do you have as a lock? I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Alex Colomay is the closer. 
No one else is saying it yet, but it's it's obvious. Come on, it it's obvious. Alex Colomay will be getting the ball in the ninth, setting him up in the seventh and eighth. We'll see how they do if they're shaky or not. Rockies have a lot of options. That's the thing about this roster, I think, this year, is they've got a lot more options you feel confident in. Daniel Bard, Carlos Estevez, okay, that's your seventh and eighth inning guy. The Rockies are in a lot more games this year. You're not going to be able to use them exactly like that. They may need to go off and on where Bard is the eighth inning one night, Estevez is the eighth inning the next night. In the seventh inning one night, you've got Robert Stevenson, the next night, Tyler Kinley. Those are guys that can be your sixth and seventh inning relievers. Lucas Gilbreth is going to be in that mix. Yes, he may be your only left-hander, your only true left-handed reliever, but he might be a guy that can get right-handed hitters out. He has actually shown the ability to do that last year. Jolice Chassin is going to be in that mix. But he mentioned he could be more of a multi-inning guy. I don't know if it'll be you know, mop-up duty, if it'll be clean up like a like a long reliever but maybe in games in which they're down by two or three you don't like the matchup hey you don't want to blow a, a perfectly good hold opportunity or rather a perfectly good setup man in something that isn't a hold opportunity so you go out and throw chasheen ty block is going to make this roster now it could be as a long reliever or it could just be as a left-handed arm it could simply be that he's pitched Really, really well. He's got seven innings. I think that's, in fact, the most innings of any Rockies pitcher. Only given up two earned runs, eight hits, no walks, five strikeouts, no home runs. He did it again today. We saw him in one innings worth of action. Again, spring training is supposed to simulate what's going to happen in the regular season. If that's the case, you're going to see Ty Block in some high leverage situations and not as a long reliever. So that leaves. Two spots. Just named eight guys. We've got spots for two more. And really what that's going to come down to is Jordan Sheffield, Justin Lawrence, Ben Bowden, and Ashton Godot. Julian Fernandez has already been sent down to minor league camp. So he's got some things he needs to iron out. I think he could be one of those players you certainly don't want to lose because you can see that upside when he, in fact he can throw a 103 mile an hour fastball but if you need to find room for Ty Block Julian Fernandez could be the odd man out and maybe he sneaks through waivers and you're still able to keep him down in AAA but you've got two spots for those four guys Sheffield, Lawrence, Bowden, Godot. Now Sheffield had that really bad outing as I said yesterday on Wednesday afternoon but before that he did have another bad outing so two out of three didn't look so good. He only has one strikeout and two walks in less than three innings worth of work. So he does have options. Last year, he didn't. Last year, he was a Rule 5 pick. So you had to keep him on the roster for the entirety of the season. Now, you can send him to AAA if you need to for a little bit more seasoning. And I think that's reasonable. I think he'd really have to do a nearly perfect job over the final week of spring training in order to make this roster. What about Ben Bowden? Well, he did give up solo homers in his first two appearances, but overall in three innings worth of work, four strikeouts, two walks. You know, he is another one of those left-handed guys. I don't know if Buddy necessarily needs to have three of them in the bullpen. 
I think Bowden is overall going to have a nice little career with the Colorado Rockies, but he has those things that he needs to work on. He needs to improve some of that inconsistency. He needs to get command over his fastball a little bit more. And the final two guys, Justin Lawrence, who in four appearances is only given up two hits. One of them was a solo homer. That's it. Did hit a batter, but no walks, four strikeouts. It's precisely what you are looking for a guy who is just trying to make the bullpen. You don't know when you're going to need him. You don't know when he's going to have to come in in an important spot in a game, especially if we're not talking about the players that Buddy has been leaning on, like Stevenson and Kinley, Bard, Estevez. Justin Lawrence is going to be a factor here. And I think if all continues to go this way, even if it is a notch below what it's been, because it's been close to perfect, I still think Justin Lawrence has a very good shot at making the opening day roster. That last spot, of course, leaves Ashton Goudeau, who's looked good this spring. And if Ty Block's going to be more of a one-inning guy, and Chasheen, as Buddy said last week, maybe is more of a multiple-inning guy, not a long reliever, but just a multiple-inning guy, then Ashton Goudeau fits in in that true true long reliever spot so far in five innings pitched over two outings. He's only given up one run. Also a solo Homer walked one only struck out one, but he's building off of a really good final month of the season with Colorado. Hey, I thought that Godot could be in the mix for the fifth starter spot. I really did think that if all went well with him and he could work out a couple things, maybe have a little bit more stability. Don't forget last year, he changed teams a lot. He was a guy who was designated for assignment, would get picked up, and then the team would need that roster spot. So they tried to slide him through waivers, and he ended up moving around a bunch. We're actually seeing it right now with Yohan Ibar. I don't know if you've kept track of everything that's been going on with his transaction page, but since he was designated for assignment to create room for Chris Bryant. He was picked up by the Yankees two days later. Then the White Sox picked him up off of waivers four days later, and that's where he is now. He was actually optioned down to their AAA club in Birmingham, so might actually find a home now with the White Sox for Ibar. But Godot was bounced around all over the place. It's amazing to think he even had any bit of success after all the different transactions in the ringer that he was put through. So I think Godot is going to be that long reliever. So in a nutshell, to summarize, your bullpen going into opening day, you're going to have 10 guys in the pen, column A in the ninth, your two main set of men, Daniel Bard, Carlos Estevez. We could also see Stevenson and Tyler Kinley maybe jump into the eighth inning at some point. Lucas Gilbreth will be there in some high leverage situations. Jolie's Chasheen. Ty Block will have to get put on the 40-man. I have confidence in him. And the final two spots on the roster, Justin Lawrence and Ashton Godot. That's where I see things going here for the Rockies roster in the next week. I also see you coming down to the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax, New York, especially to get yourself that member-sized beer, especially to get you those price breaks on our Broncos tailgates, Nuggets party bus. Now we've got a Rapids party bus. There could be something in the work for Rockies. I don't know. We'll see. But should that actually come to fruition, you get a discount on that for being a member, which now is only 50 cents for your first month at the DNVR 
Raffle.com. If you come out to any of our watch parties, you know you get extra raffle tickets. You get access to our members-only Discord where you can make connections with other members of the community. And you don't have to worry about politics and a-holes, nothing like that. And if you want to get a, yourself a free shirt, go all in with an annual membership. You go over to dnvrlocker.com and you can actually see any of the shirts there. Boom. Get that hooked up. And you know what? If And you know, I, I maybe shouldn't give out this spoiler just yet exactly, but I, I can't help it. You guys are very much loyal listeners. So if you plan on hanging around Coors Field on opening day on April 8th, we are going to be having a little bit of a get-together over at Ice House. It's one of our sister bars, if you will. And so we're going to be posted up there with all of our swag. Maybe we have some new Rockies gear. You didn't hear it from me. I'll just say that. You didn't hear it from me, but Ice House is where it's going to be popping off if you don't already have a ticket for opening day. You also should check out Lightshade, Colorado's premier dispensary. They've got 10, soon to be 11 here in this Denver metro area. You can get hooked up with all kinds of great stuff, cannabis concentrates, you name it. But I want to tell you specifically about Wana Optimal's Fast Asleep Gummies. It's something that my parents use, and it's been fantastic. It helps with their mood in the morning because they sleep better. It's not like an over-the-counter drug that knocks you out and leaves you in a fog. No, you feel rested and refreshed. It's got a great balance of CBD, 10 milligrams of that, with just a hint of THC, that's going to get your eyelids feeling heavy five to 15 minutes. And now in zero minutes, you can order Wana Optimal's Fast Asleep Gummies at lightshade.com and also get 25% when you use code DNVR. Yes, lightshade.com, use code DNVR for 25% off. You can use that code at any of Lightshade's 10, soon to be 11, Denver Metro area locations. The only issues with the Nuggets and Avalanche right now is that it's going to be another day you may need to call out sick for work to go to the parade. And really, that is going to be, I think, the biggest issue for the Nuggets and Avalanche. Maybe maybe there's a bit more of a problem. Maybe the Avalanche are a little bit closer to talking about parade. But I say that that's the problem because now you shouldn't have any issues with watching Nuggets and Avalanche right from the comfort of your own home. Have you not heard about Ivaca TV? Yes, Ivaca TV allows you to watch Nugs Avs every night that they're on. It allows you to watch the Rapids, the Mammoth, CSU Rams, Denver Pioneers, and now it's going to allow you to watch Colorado Rockies games all in one place. This is a service that's up and down the Rocky Mountain region. Denver, Colorado Springs, Phoenix, Boise, Twin Falls, Idaho. Bottom line, Ivaca TV has altitude sports for the first time in what seems like a decade. You can watch Jokic, you can watch Landeskog in one place, the comfort of your own home. Here's what you got to do. You got to head over to ivaca.tv slash DNVR, zero hidden fees, zero contracts. It's $25 per month plus a receiver, and they will lock your price in for two years. Never have to worry about that price increasing for 24 months, two years. It's perfect. Never worry again with Ivaca TV and enjoy the Nuggets and Avs once again. Ivaca.tv slash DNVR. Well, we got to preview the NL West just a little bit because the offseason is finally starting to settle in. There aren't too many free agents left out there that need to find a home. Brett Gardner, Michael Conforto, maybe. Do they move the needle very much? 
Gardner, obviously a lot less so, but let's talk about the contenders here in the NL West. And DraftKings Sportsbook might disagree with me, in fact, as to who these contenders are. But the obvious one, the Los Angeles Dodgers, DraftKings has them at 97 and a half wins. I would take the over on that. But to get you up to date on their roster, here's who they lost. They lost a who's who of players. And they replaced some of them, but not all of them. They lost Max Scherzer, who signed a three-year deal with the New York Mets. Corey Seager broke the bank over $300 million with the Texas Rangers. Kenley Jansen, yes, no longer a member of the Dodgers. Crazy to think he is signed with Atlanta. Joe Kelly moves over to the Chicago White Sox. Corey Knebel should be the closer for the Philadelphia Phillies. And Albert Pujols, you probably just heard a few days ago, is back with the St. Louis Cardinals. little farewell tour will be interesting to see how opponents tip their cap and pay tribute to El Hombre, the machine. Maybe some Rocky Mountain Oysters. Maybe a horse like they gave Todd Helton when he retired. Who, who knows? But I'm sure they will treat Pujols right. And it seems like Molina and Adam Wainwright, they could be in their farewell tour as well. Not going to worry about getting those guys' gifts exactly there. They're not the same upper echelon, inner ring Hall of Famers like Albert Pujols. So how did the Los Angeles Dodgers respond to that? Well, they signed Freddie Freeman, somewhat improbably. Even, even though Atlanta threw eight years and I want to say 170 some million dollars at a first baseman, it was not their own guy, Freddie Freeman. No, Freddie goes back to Southern California and is now at the top of a lineup that also includes Mookie Betts and Trey Turner. Wow, that is that's the whole lineup right there. Doesn't even matter about Max Muncy or Justin Turner or Will Smith, who will finally become an all star this year. Great young catcher, but Freeman, Mookie Betts. Trey Turner, that is some serious, serious pop at the top of the lineup. Dodgers also re-signed Chris Taylor, four years, $60 million, the utility man. Now no longer looks like a great find. Now he's he's got to earn that if he's making $15 million a year, but they'll be able to deploy him wherever, just not as cheaply as before. Clayton Kershaw decided he wanted to come back on a one-year $17 million deal. A little bit less than the qualifying offer that he turned down. I think this is going to be an ongoing thing for Kirsch where it's going to be a series of one-year deal, one-year deal, et cetera, et cetera. In the bullpen, Dodgers get Daniel Hudson one year, $7 million. Jimmy Nelson gets one year, $700,000. If he's healthy, he should be good. Danny Duffy, former starter. I think he's going to be more of a reliever now, one year, three mil. And then for the starting rotation, two left-handers, Andrew Heaney, who will most certainly start the year in the rotation. He was one of the first free agents who signed. Look for him to you know, have a pretty solid season there in the hands of Dodgers coaches. But Tyler Anderson also gets one year and $8 million. Anderson didn't really work out too well when he was with San Francisco. You thought that was going to be a spot where he'd really break through. Didn't happen then. Didn't necessarily happen with Pittsburgh. He was still good but he's going to be kicking around this division. A lot of lefties in the rotation for the Dodgers. Got to throw in Julio Urias in there. I, I've talked about it before. The fact that the Rockies are a little bit more right-hand heavy, it's not a bad thing in this division. 
The lineup also includes AJ Pollock. Hans Alberto was signed to a one-year deal. I think he'll be all right. He's a he's a nice little second baseman there. Edwin Rios, when he gets a hold of the ball, he does well. He's coming off the bench. Gavin Lux, a player who was an NL Rookie of the Year award candidate in 2021, finally figured it out, was playing some center field by the end of the season, which was a little bit strange. And the last guy that I haven't mentioned yet in the Dodgers, very notable lineup is Mr. Cody Bellinger, who you had to think he was going to figure it out. You had to think the former MVP was going to get it together. The Dodgers pay him $17 million in arbitration, and he has looked awful this spring. Absolutely awful. He's four for 27, all singles, only has one walk and 17 strikeouts, more than half of his at-bats. When half of his plate appearances have resulted in strikeouts. He struck out four times against the Royals this past week. Who is it against? Brady Singer. Okay, nice. He could be one of those Rookie of the Year award candidates. Not sure he may have even exhausted his rookie eligibility. Jose Quas, don't know him. Arotis Vizcaino, guy who's been okay when healthy, but usually isn't healthy. And he was called out on strikes against Stephen Woods Jr., of the Kansas City Royals. Who is Stephen Woods Jr.? Is he one of those great young pitchers that the Royals have cobbled together from the last several years' drafts because they've been so bad since they won the World Series? No, Stephen Woods Jr., not, not, not to knock him, but dude had a 7.42 ERA in AA last year, and he catches Cody Bellinger looking for the golden sombrero. That's where Belly is at right now. That does not look good. Hey. Cody Bellinger isn't good for them. The Dodgers are still going to be fine. Make no mistake about it. They're already paying, what, 40-some million dollars to a certain starting pitcher who is now starting to throw out some lawsuits on people, allegedly. Maybe I should say allegedly, even though I haven't said his name. Hopefully you do know who I'm talking about, Uh, a man who loves to be active on social media, probably a little bit too much Bullseye's been on his back for a while, and he's still on administrative leave from MLB. At some point, he is going to really, really fight back in order to try to get his career back on track. Sure, he's getting paid, but he wants to play baseball. And now you could have over $50 million going almost out the window for the Dodgers. But hey, I guess they can do that with Bellinger and Bauer. Now, also a contender, I think, is the San Francisco Giants. Now, if they are 20 games worse than last season, well, they only win 87. But guess what? 87 wins very much could get you the final wildcard spot, could get you in as the sixth best record in the National League. And if you are 20 games worse than last year, when everything worked right, in fact, more than everything worked right, Like Things worked out so well for the Giants last year that I don't even think they would have guessed all of it would have worked out. They would have said, all right, well, three quarters of that's going to work out, three quarters of this, maybe we win 98 games. But it was 100% of everybody doing their part. Almost career years from Belt and Crawford and Buster Posey, all really good players. Make no mistake about it, but everything worked out well. Guys on the bench, Darren Ruff, Lamont Wade Jr., everything went perfectly. And you understand a little bit 
Wyatt did. Gabe Kapler did an amazing job, assembled a very unique coaching staff to do that. So I think that's going to aid them again this year. DraftKings Sportsbook has them at 85 and a half wins. I will, I would take the over, but it's going to be close. It's going to be close because this offseason, you know, they they lost three big, big names out of their lineup. Kevin Gossman, Colorado product there, signed a long-term deal with Toronto. Buster Posey retired, and Chris Bryant went somewhere. I, I can't quite recall, but Chris Bryant is no longer a member of the San Francisco Giants. Everything went their way. And how did they respond to this where they went out and they, you know, they got more bodies. They got, you know, Brandon Belt came back, of course. Brandon Crawford got a two-year, $32 million extension, but they signed a lot of pitching. And Giants, you know, they they also kind of have the magic touch. It helps when you're in a pitcher's ballpark like San Francisco. But if you recall from a couple of days ago talking with the Blake Street Banner Boys, that Baseballs were gonna are going to be put in a humidor now in all 30 ballparks. So now maybe with the damp air of San Francisco, maybe you begin to see the ball fly a little bit more there. We'll we'll have to really wait and see. And and ultimately we might not even know for a couple years. We might need that much data. But they go out and they sign Carlos Rodon to a two-year, $44 million deal. I think there's a lot of incentives in that as well. Di Sclafani. It's coming back three years, $36 million. Alex Wood coming back two years, $25 million. Alex Cobb, two years, $20 million. They also went and signed a reclamation project from the Tigers' left-handed starter, Matthew Boyd, one year, $5.2 million. So right there, you have an entire rotation that they've just signed. And I haven't even mentioned Logan Webb, the guy that shut down single-handedly the Los Angeles Dodgers and, and nearly got the Giants out of that division series against the Dodgers. I also like the signing really minimal deal, 2.5 million for Carlos Martinez. Maybe you go and and you find some magic out of him, a guy who I believe was a former all-star, very good starter, very good reliever at times. He can be incredibly streaky, but nevertheless, the Giants have a lot to work with this year. Now, as I said, everything went their way and there's no way it can for a second year in a row. And I think you understand that, especially go back and, and look at the history of the Giants, right? They win the World Series, and they, they got this dynasty in the 2010s, so they win the World Series in 2010, then it's a dud. World Series in 2012, dud. World Series in 2014, then a dud. And, you know, d- despite having, you know, that core together during that entire time, they couldn't do it in back-to-back years. And I think you're all, also already starting to see some cracks in the facade Evan Longoria, if you haven't heard, uh, fractured his right index finger. Had just had surgery on that, so he's going to miss some time, six weeks. So now Wilmer Flores steps in to take over at third base. So the Giants, again, things are already not working out in their favor. So maybe maybe you get the, the Dodgers to win 106 again, and maybe the Giants lose 20 more. They'd be happy with, I think, 87 wins to a degree, to a degree. They'd be happy with that. So that ultimately means we've got 20 wins to play with here between the Diamondbacks, Padres, and Rockies. And I think it's going to be that. I think it, I think this this math that I'm going to do is, is sound because I'll explain it why here in just a moment, why I think the NOS 
will win 418 games again for the second year in a row. But I really want to tell you again and remind you about Wana Optimals Fast Sleep Gummies, which you can get at any of Lightshade's 10, soon to be 11, Denver metro area locations. Man, it's it's amazing what we spend on vitamins to maybe you know make us feel better. Is the evidence there? Oh man, depends on who you ask, right? It really depends on who you ask. But the proof is in the pudding. If you feel better when you take something, great. But there is evidence with one of Optimal's fast asleep gummies. I've seen it firsthand. You take it, it knocks you out, you sleep great. We all have anxiety, we all have things that we're stressing about, and sometimes it's hard to shut our brain off. Even if you have those 15 minutes before you go to sleep that you are away from your technology and it allows you your brain to kind of quiet down just a little bit. Maybe you read a book, that's a good way of getting your, your eyelids feeling a little bit heavy. Maybe you have a sound conditioner on, it's something that I use that helps block out any ambient noise uh, I live near somewhat of a, of a small airport, so I, I have planes going overhead. There's a busy road nearby. All of those things can be factors in your sleep, but the biggest factor for you really should be one of Optimal's fast sleep gummies. Get those eyelids feeling heavy in only 5 to 15 minutes. That's it. Great combination of CBD and a hint of THC to get that going for you. Again, lightshade.com. Use code DNVR to get 25% off your order. You can use that any time at Lightshade's 10, soon to be 11, Denver Metro area locations. That's code DNVR, and that's one of Optimal's fast sleep gummies. This is why the NOS is going to win 418 games again. Now, this was second most behind the AL East, and that includes an East that had the Orioles that only won 52 games. But I think the number is going to be the same because maybe the Dodgers are not going to have the best record. Maybe they're not going to dominate to the same tune of 106 wins. Okay, that's fine. But keep in mind that the NOS does play the AL Central, one of, if not the worst and weakest division in all of baseball. Chicago White Sox were a real good team last year, but they limped to the finish line, and you saw it in the postseason. So I think the West is going to beat up on the AL Central, and that's going to keep the NOS at 418 games. So 20 less wins for the Giants. Dodgers are the same. And where does that leave those 20 wins? Who makes up on that? Well, I think Arizona could win maybe 10 more games. I think their rotation is a little bit better than maybe it's been given credit for. I like the signing of Zach Davies. We'll, we'll get to those transactions in a second. But even if you give them 10 more wins, guess what? That only puts them at 62 for this next season. That's it. Only 62. And that leaves 10 games between the Rockies and Padres. And got to tell you, I'm not convinced the Padres are going to be that much better. So I'll give the Padres two wins, and that's going to bring them to 81. They won 79 last year. Give them two wins, put them at 81, and that makes the remaining eight wins all go to the Colorado Rockies. Add that to the 74 last year. That puts Colorado at 82 wins, and that's a third-place finish in the NOS. That's not going to the postseason, but I very much think it's possible for the Rockies to be better than the Padres. The Padres are not in the contender category for me. They're in the pretender category. And and maybe the Diamondbacks shouldn't be in the pretender category because, I mean, I guess they're pretending to be an MLB team. I don't know. I'll have to ask the PHNX Diamondbacks guys about that because they, they know what they are. They know what they are. But 
the Padres are pretenders. Right now, DraftKings has them at 88.5 wins. They have them at three better than the Giants. Yes. Now, man, I'm really, I've really soured on the Padres, and so much of that has to do with Fernando Tatis Jr. I believe I mentioned it maybe once on the podcast, but of course, we've got important business to deal with with the Colorado Rockies on a daily basis. But Tatis Jr. fractured his wrist during the lockout, if you haven't already heard. Didn't really specify when it was. And again, teams could not talk to players and vice versa. And I'm sure Tatis did not want to uh, relay that information to his club. They probably would have been quite upset. But fractured his wrist during the lockout. I believe it was riding a motorcycle, allegedly. So he could miss about three months of the season. I think he'll probably heal pretty quickly, but three months, that's that's a long time. With him in the lineup, they're still suspect, but they're exciting, and that juice that he brings is going to really bleed into the rest of the lineup, the rest of the roster. Without him, I think they are very much suspect. What were their off-season transactions? Well, they lost, they didn't lose that much, Right, but they lost a couple of their successful pieces. Tommy Pham went to Cincinnati. Mark Melanson, a player that everybody wanted to come back home to Colorado and finish up his career with the Rockies. Maybe he will. Maybe he'll be a trade candidate for GM Bill Schmidt. In fact, that's that's maybe that's not a bold prediction, but that is a prediction I'm going to give you. Mark Melanson is going to be in the Rockies bullpen this summer. Why not? Why not? Daniel Hudson signed with the Dodgers, as I mentioned. Matt Strom with Boston. Keone Kila, who never really got, you know, gained traction with the Padres. He's with Arizona, and Jake Marisnik went out to Texas. So, and as for additions that they made, well, they signed Nick Martinez, four years, $20 million. One of those players who went overseas to try to find himself and figure out some things, did pitch well over there, thought that was a bit of a reach of a contract, but, uh, We've seen players like that from Merrill Kelly to Miles Michaelis come back over after playing in the KBO and and NPB in South Korea and Japan, respectively. But if he's one of their big additions in the offseason, it's not not very big, is it? They acquired Luke Voigt from the Yankees to play first base. Okay, that's nice, but you already have Eric Hosmer there making some pretty big money. They acquired Jorge Alfaro. From the Marlins, they got Matt Beattie from the Dodgers. Again, these aren't very notable names. And they gave up Adam Frazier, player that they got from the Pirates at the trade deadline, and they paid handsomely for. And now they went and gave him up to the Mariners. I think got some interesting players. Uh, I like lefty Ray Kerr. But nevertheless, they are a little bit suspect, and their minor league system is suffering because of it. You go and look at the prospects that they have left. They really only have those three notable ones. And you could see two of them graduate this year. And CJ Abrams, who should have some time in AAA this year, nice shortstop prospect. Luis Camposano, who's a catcher. I even just read today that AJ Preller is interested in, in possibly moving Camposano or one of their catchers, right? They've got Alfaro, they've got Austin Nola, they've got a couple options to go with, but they're really running out of different candidates that they can ship off to try to fix their problems and put band-aids on the solution. I think we could be looking at a point where maybe mid-season you start to hear rumblings about A.J. Preller 
on the hot seat. I, I don't think he'll be on the hot seat midseason, even if things go bad. But I think people will start to whisper about him getting on the hot seat this offseason, which I think very much could happen. So Padres are very suspect. This is this maybe could be a really great opportunity for the Rockies to make a move here and find themselves in third place. We'll, we'll see what happens. Can't even talk about 2023 at this point. But if I'm looking at the 2022 rosters and, and the capability and possibilities of everything happening, Rockies have been relatively healthy this year so far in spring, knock on wood. And I think they've been healthy overall the last couple seasons, despite the fact that, again, we know they play at altitude, but they've been pretty healthy. You know, that could be an advantage for them very much. So the DH we know can help the Rockies probably more than any team in all of baseball. And so finally, some things are starting to go the Rockies' way. And I can see them, I can see them finishing in third place. I can't officially say it just yet. Because as I said recently, and in, in something that I wrote that uh, was published today, uh, a joint little collaboration with Justin Wick of Purple Row and um, my good buddy Kevin Henry from Roxpile, that we put out that, you know what, in a million simulations in my head, the Rockies still are going to finish in fourth place the most. But close behind is third place. Let's finally finish up with the Arizona Diamondbacks. What did they do? Not a whole heck of a lot. Jim Bowden from The Athletic actually gave him a C-plus in grades. They lost Cole Calhoun to the Rangers and Tyler Clippard to the Nationals. That's it. They didn't have very much to begin with. They went and signed Mark Melanson, two years, $14 million. Also, Ian Kennedy. So two really good relievers for the back of their pen to help secure some games, take a little pressure off some of the younger guys in their bullpen. And we know what the Diamondbacks do. They are one of pretty much the other 28 teams that when they're out of it, they realize it. And they say, let's trade these players. Let's get something for them. It's smart. It's a good way to go about your business. And we know that they do that. So Melanson and Kennedy, hey, you might get a pretty penny for those guys when a contender comes knocking. And a sneaky good signing, Zach Davies, one year, $1.75 million. He's going to have to show it that he can do it after somewhat of a down year at the Cubs last year. They also signed Cattell Marte to a five-year, $76 million extension, really just tacked on two extra seasons and some extra money on that, a couple options there. So we'll kind of wait to see what happens. Maybe their best transaction was hiring Astros pitching coach Brent Strom. That's an interesting one there. So, you know, don't expect too much out of the Diamondbacks. They're already hurting with uh, Nick Ahmed. I think he had to get some cortisone shots. And so Diamondbacks acquired a shortstop, Sergio Alcantara, for the Cubs for cash. So really just as a stopgap. So, you know, if if Ahmed, it's crazy to say a player like Ahmed who is far from an all-star, great defensively, you know, is always a gold glove finalist candidate. It's always in there for the gold glove. But if he goes down, I mean, the team is going to suffer, I think, even more than it already has with this lackluster roster. That's getting better, though. They're young. They're getting better. And they've got some hosses. They've got some some dudes coming up in the farm system. And they very much could be a force to reckon with. When is that going to be? Eh, really might not be until 2025. But they're going to slowly, incrementally get better. They could be a nuisance. We know that they've been in the past, and I think I think this year the Rockies are going to be the nuisance 
in the NL West, a team that typically seems like they're a pushover when they're out of it, but I think they are going to mess up a couple team seasons. They're going to be very competitive this year. Maybe the Diamondbacks spoil the Rockies season a little bit, but I think the Rockies have a good shot at spoiling the Giants and Padres seasons and maybe even the Dodgers. So six games at the end of the season are going to be very interesting. The Rockies can do a lot of meddling in a week in L.A., especially if they are still in the hunt at that point. Thank you guys for tuning in. Again, got to remind you, Ice House, it's going to be popping off on opening day. It's right down the street from Coors Field next to McGregor Square. You've probably already been there a few times yourself, but we're going to be posting up there. So make sure you put that on your schedule for April 8th against the Dodgers. Remember, it's only 50 cents for your first month at the DNVR.com. Please follow us on Twitter at DNVR underscore Rockies. I am at Patrick D. Lyons. Still got exclusive content coming out on Thursday. Hoping to drop another banter from the bench with one of the top prospects the Rockies have, Jaden Hill. Caught up with him. Thought it would be interesting to talk about his rehab process, what he's been doing since he was drafted there in the second round by the Rockies out of Louisiana State University. He's got a lot of buzz about him, so make sure you are a member. Otherwise, it's going to be locked. It's going to be blocked. You're not going to get a chance to see that. Thank you, guys. This has been fun as always, but I got to do it again. Got to prove it. Thursday should have a live show in the afternoon with Drew Goodman after the game. So make sure you're tuned in for that. Following us on Twitter so you can watch that live with us. Even toss out some questions. A couple unanswered things going on with the roster. What's Bud Black going to do? What would Drew Goodman do in a situation, an instance like that? So love those questions. Drop them in once you see the YouTube link. Got to be following us on Twitter at DNVR underscore Rockies. Thanks again, as always, for tuning in. But you know what they say about momentum. It's only as good as tomorrow's podcast. So I'll talk to you then.